Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is office hours, the Friday edition, and I'm reaching puberty here. This does sound like Miles, uh, my, my voice breaking. I'll take on that nickname, Squeaks. Anyway, today is International Podcast Day, and, uh, you know, five and a, nine months ago, Gary Vanderchuk convinced me to change over my radio show, uh, The Sports Blender, into a podcast, and I told him, almost six years ago, why would I do that when there's 200,000 podcasts and, you know, I'm too late to the game? Well, one of the messages today on International Podcast Day is you're not too late to the game. And all the lessons that I've learned and the messages that I received is about building your own community. And one of those ways is, is through a podcast. And uh, our, our next guest here is a true, a true inspiration and motivator. And I know there's a difference between both unleashthechamp.com kyle sullivan welcome to office hours hey thank you so much i'm excited to uh excited to be here for sure well we're trying to unleash the champ by bringing you on here and uh very familiar with your mastermind group uh it's called the locker room and uh you know it's a, a, a weekly group which i really like uh the consistency part of building a brand and building a community is this consistency uh, and most people lack it, right? Most people, they talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. Um, and I find that people like you that have been through struggles and uh, have been able to overcome those, understand the importance of consistency. I was hoping you could share kind of your story of how you learned the importance of consistent behavior and uh, how that, you know, I always say everything doubles. Uh, and so if you are consistent, everything you do consistently doubles, good behavior and bad behavior. I was th hoping you would take us through that journey of your uh, enlightenment on consistent behavior. Yeah, absolutely, David. It's uh, consistent behavior in the right direction always yields results. And so once we know that, I mean, for me, I was a D1 athlete. While I was in athletics, I was wrapped up in drugs and alcohol. So that consistent behavior led me down a path that was destructive. Then I was a pastor for 13 years before creating this. And the consistency of knowing your calling, your heart, your altitude, your mindset, and then your performance, that's what builds the system for consistency. And that's the pillars of champ. Uh -oh. That's, that's correct, Kyle. That's great. And uh, I appreciate you, you being candid about your story because uh, like yourself, both Dave and I were, were college athletes and a lot of folks are not privy to just how difficult things can be and what background situations could, could, could exist at home, particularly in our generations where there was not NIL and other ways to monetize. Um, can you give us a, a peek into, you know, what was driving those decisions in life and and what have you learned from those things kind of looking back? And all of I ask that, sorry, and, and, and I just want to give one disclaimer. The reason why I ask that is because there's somebody watching this right now that's doing the exact same thing, even though NIL exists, like it is still happening. So I think hearing from you would be helpful. Yeah. So to to go back, what I've learned is I mean, my I was born to two high school students. My dad was a senior, my mom was a junior in high school. And then my biological mom left. And so it was just my dad and I, my dad stepped up, but there was always this part of me that wanted to be accepted, that wanted to feel like, why was I left out? And so that's what led me down. A lot of the, uh, the decisions I made, I think subconsciously was 
I just wanted to be liked. I became a chameleon. Whatever you needed to me, you needed me to be, I was it. And it was not until I found myself and who I really wanted to be that I felt the security and the safety to say, you know what? I've gone through a whole lot. That's okay. But it's what we do. We we can't control what happens to us. We can't control how we show up and how we respond to it. Absolutely agree. Kyle, good morning. You know, we you are the epitome of one of the things I love to talk about is the hero's journey. And uh, you are the epitome of it, right? Like so many of the successful people that we see who have gone into those darkest, deepest caves and fought the dragons that hid the treasures that they need to come out and share them with the rest of the world. I have a uh, I have a jujitsu professor and instructor and, and we hear all over, you know, practice makes perfect practice makes perfect. And he says, no, perfect practice makes perfect. Yeah. Perfect practice makes perfect. And so so that's the key. And so my question is, what was that trigger? Because you were practicing perfectly, unfortunately, in the wrong direction for so much of your life. And then you took that mindset, that heart set, that drive, that thrive and converted it over to doing it the way you're doing it now. What happened that led you to that switch so that others who are listening have the ability to relate to that? Yeah, you know, for me, people change when they're when they want to or they're forced to. I was forced to. I don't wish this on anybody, but my my conversion, my my pivot moment was I got jumped at a drug deal. And I went to a party that I'd always gone to and that was fun. And I got jumped and I realized, okay, I don't want this to happen again. I don't want this to be. And so I just said, okay, I'm gonna shift. And I didn't know what I I didn't know what the steps were gonna be, but I knew the first step was to get away from that situation. And so that was the biggest thing for me. And then it's about taking the consistent behavior. It's not about, you know, I tell my clients, hey, get 90 feet a day. That's the distance between home and first base. Move the chains today. Get a first down today. Get get two, three, four yards, but keep moving in the right direction. And so for me, it wasn't this big grand slam moment. It was about the consistent behavior over time that has led to the place I am now. And your mastermind uh, empowers people with not only that connection so that they feel comfortable being themselves, which to me, Shakespeare's To Thine Own Self Be True is probably one of the most poignant things that we can do, especially because of the access that we have to community. Um, but that collaboration uh, as well that exists within you know, your practical leadership mastermind but one of the components that people don't talk about, you talk about being forced or make that choice. We can't help anyone that doesn't help themselves. Uh, but you said something interesting that you didn't belong. And I felt that same way, right? Uh, growing up poor, around a whole bunch of rich people, I, I, I never felt, I, I participated in a perception that they thought they were better than me. And I don't think they did. You know, I, I think a variety of people always will and a variety of people always won't. But in, in the majority, it had nothing to do with the fact that I had a single mom, six kids, broke all the time. Uh, but belonging uh, is aligned with, to me, and it happened later on in my life than it did yours, with faith. See, when you have faith that there's something bigger than you, that loves you more than your mom, then you belong at all times. You, you belong at all times for who you are and you i think more than just getting jumped you had a time like i did where you said wait a second 
I belong. What was that for you? And how do you help convey that message to people without sounding like, you know, a religious freak or a fanatic of some sort? Uh, because I, you know, do my best not, you know, talk about spirituality, philosophy, or religion. It doesn't matter to me, but I want people to believe in something bigger and belong. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great point too. When I, my story, I was a pastor, but I, I wanted to create environments for people to, to belong and have a space where people's like, Hey, look, you don't have to behave or believe what I do, but you can belong. We can be connected. And for me, it was finding people that didn't treat me any differently, regardless of what I had done, regardless of my upbringing, regardless of, and having opportunities where I could show up in a space and go, Hey, we're, we're a lot more similar than we are different. We're a lot more, we're a lot more uh, aligned than our differences. And one of my mentors would always say, Hey, be known for what you're for, not what you're against. And that creates connection. That creates a, a synergy among people that otherwise wouldn't happen. So Kyle, you've got you've got a group mastermind called called the Locker Room. Uh, obviously, great great title. I, I can only imagine where that comes from. Uh, but there's a lot of folks. I know Dave's got an amazing mastermind, masterminds, and uh, many of his coaching students have gone on to start masterminds and group coaching. What, what strategies did you deploy to, to build your group? How did you get folks to join? Because I think it's something that folks just don't understand. I think it happens overnight. And I, look, I've known Dave for a long time. I remember Dave used to go speaking. There was this one person there. And, and, and me and Mike hanging out, right? And, and now you go see Dave speaking. It's thousands of people. And he's he's like Joel Osteen on stage crying. And, and everybody's like, you know, in the trance. Uh, so can you walk us through a little bit of, about what your strategy was to build your, your following? Oh my gosh. First and foremost, I had to become the the number one client of Unleash the Champ. And I had to, I mean, every day I wear something that says Unleash the Champ. I'm my number one brand ambassador. So whether it's a polo, whether it's a button up, whether whatever, I had to own it and live it first. It's a mantra for me. Secondly, it was getting in front of people and building connection. I started out when I first got started, I was just trying to, I was trying to pitch everybody. And it was like, God, that is not in alignment to me. If I can create a connection and conversations, that is the way to, to build this thing. And locally where I'm at, it was chamber of commerce events. I've had a, I had an event that had one person show up. I planned for 51 showed up. I said, man, we about to blow this thing out with me and you. We spend it all day together. I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not limiting what I was talking about. I'm not limiting my, you know, my delivery. You about to get a lot of uh, value today. And over time, people just know you for what you do and how you show up. And as you build that community, you build a connection with people. They start to go, hey, you need to meet this guy. Hey, do you want this opportunity? Hey, can you come in to do this thing? And when you just are, I mean, what is it? The Zig Ziglar, you help enough people get what they want. You always get what you want. And that's how I built the locker room and how I'm building Unleash the Champ now. Kyle, it's about that, how you show up that resonates. It reminds me of a story. I have a friend who uh, opened a a restaurant and it was, it was early winter and it started snowing. It was kind of like unnaturally snowing a lot that night and people started canceling, canceling. He was brand new. He'd been struggling, put everything into it. Didn't think he was going to make it. And, 
everyone canceled except one person. And he was, said he was tempted to call that person because it was the latest reservation and say, hey, we're just going to close. We're going to leave. We're not going to do it. And something told him, don't do it. Keep keep the restaurant open. And he kept it open and he spent time with that person, served them a great meal. And it ended up that, that she was a food critic and she blew him up and he was that close to canceling it. And he has one of the most successful restaurants in town now. Had he not stayed, right, we know what would have happened. But you said something really interesting. You said you, you quoted something, but before that you said my mentor. And so when we look at people like Dave and you look at people like your mentor, what led you to getting a mentor and how valuable has that been? Because so many of our listeners have thought about it and wonder, should they, why should they? Can you tell them what your mentor means to you and, and how valuable that that is? Yeah, so that's one of many mentors I have. And I think it's important for me. I have a marriage mentor. I have a financial mentor. I have I, I create like the coaching staff for me, my board of directors, if you will. And I would rather I would rather build a community of people that know me. I talk about like they got the all access card. Like if I'm a stadium, they can get to the top. And I there's nothing that they can't ask me about. There's nothing that, and because of that, they can, they can push me. They can challenge me. They say, Hey, maybe not think about it like this, maybe consider another way. And without that, we like, we could get there. Like people listening, watching this right now, like, yeah, you could get there alone, but if you could get there faster and you could go further with a mentor, with a coach, with a mastermind, why would you not do it? Stand on the shoulders of other people. And Kyle, you know, <clears throat> as you grow as a coach yourself with many mentors yourself, you start seeing a distinguished characteristic of the successful clients that you have and uh, the clients that I say that aren't ready. They're, they're not, it's not, they're not successful, but they're, they're not ready. And, you know, I like to work with people month to month. And at first it was really more about uh, guaranteeing that everybody was satisfied with the financial situation working with me that they didn't feel any month went by that they were locked in to, and I didn't want that energy of it but today with the you know wait list and the the amount of people that wanted it it's turned into the opposite it's turned into me being able to tell people hey you're not ready right you you, you are lying to yourself uh, and when you are ready, I, I'll be here for you. But there's a lot of people that are ready that that need my help. And, you know, at first I had a, a need to be offended by that. Right. Like and here's what's even worse is when you have the need to be offended by it, the people who you're trying to help have even a greater need to be offended. They think somehow you think you're superior or you're attacking them. Uh, and, you know, early on, I lost relationships because you were saying you know, your mentors push you and I want my mentors to push me. And I want, I want their perception of what will push me. How do you reconcile? Because I'm looking back to where you are right now and I'm sure you're struggling with, you know, the apathy of your mastermind participants. Oh my gosh. When, when I got started, I coined it the pastor problem. When it <laughs> I was love that. I was like the the vanilla ice of coaches and consultants. Like, yo, you got a problem? Yo, I'll solve it. And <laughs> I, the one I, hit wonder of coaching, man. Start rapping. Oh, um, like it was. I was all over the place. 
And it wasn't until I got clear on who, what, and how I wanted to help people and how I really was uniquely qualified to. And now when people come, it's actually the most loving thing I can say is, hey, you don't need me. You need this, these two books. You need to go get this. You know, you need to go to this workshop. You need to go because if I bring somebody in, they're attached to what Unleash the Champ means. And I had to learn that, hey, if you come in, whether it's for a month, a year or 10 years that we're in our our community together, you're attached to it. And so the most loving thing I can say is, hey, this is not it right now. Let's reconnect in three, six, 12 months. Um, but this is what you can need. Or I may not even be the person. Hey, you need to go to this person. Reach out to them. I'll actually connect y'all. And that's what I tell people a lot is, hey, if I'm not the person, I've built a pretty uh, awesome network of people that I could refer you to. And I'd be honored to do so. You're awesome, man. Kyle Sullivan, check out Unleash the Champ, UnleashTheChamp.com. He has a locker room that's meant for community connection, collaboration, for everyone to grow. I call it a community of sponsors and power sponsors, people that will help you and people that know people that can help you. And it goes both ways within this uh, this community of motivated, inspired winners. Uh, We appreciate you coming on, Kyle. And, uh, you know, we'll look forward to having you back. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, Kyle. You got it, bro. Thanks, Kyle. All right, man, you, you meet people that get it. He gets it. And, uh, this person is incredible. She's coming on. Uh, I knew her father. Uh, he's a legend and he's someone who, uh, has helped me since I was a a young executive, uh, the CEO of Chet Holmes, international chetholmes.com. Amanda Holmes. Thank you for getting up early and joining the three of us here on office hours. Woo! Uh, there was a little misunderstanding about 5 a.m. versus 5 p.m. So I am so happy to be here, and I'm sorry if I am late. Uh, no, I'm ready thank to you. Rock with the best of them. It's great to be here. You know, you're an amazing person to be that fired up so early, impromptu. So, uh, you know, there's certain things that expose people for who they are. Uh, and this is one of them. The fact that you didn't cancel. We were talking earlier while you were uh, sleeping. Uh, Mike, Mike, Mike mentioned a restaurant story about somebody that showed up and what would have happened if they didn't, didn't show up. Uh, and you know, one, one person showed up to, to this brand new restaurant and, uh, it was the last reservation and the guy waited for it. So you have exposed yourself that you truly have learned from your father's proven processes and success. Uh, and anyway, you've, you've inherited quite a legacy and quite a business. Uh, and Yeah, uh, you know, I have three daughters, and I'm, you know, mentored by your father and and someone who, uh, you know, has looked to see, you know, what does Bob Proctor's family do when he's gone, or Chet Holmes, or Zig Ziglar, uh, or Covey. Um, you know, there's a variety of people that you know I've been blessed to be around that have mentored me, and uh, I really watch that because I want to see, you know, how my children will make my let my legacy theirs their brand not not you know uh, they have to put their twist onto it and you do you're so young and do such a great job uh at that i'm more curious from a different angle uh advice for me you know what was it that your father did to empower you to be ready 
uh, to inherit such an incredible brand and business worldwide? Well, let's put this into perspective for the people that aren't familiar. So uh, yeah. my father had a world-class brand. We've assisted a quarter of a million businesses worldwide. I, I stepped in at 24 because uh, my father unexpectedly passed at 55. And um, I was a singer-songwriter. I just released my fourth record. I had toured around the world. I mean, uh, and then to all of a sudden have to figure out a marketing and sales training company, I... I initially wanted nothing to do with it. I didn't want to be a part of it because honestly, what I, I felt was that if I stepped in, I would step into an early grave right next to my father because I knew I was so much like my father that I would work myself uh, to death. And uh, so I, I was so far off from wanting to be a part of it, but it was actually... Uh, an influence from an Indian saint, um, my guru, who said, you can do this. There's just a different way of going about it. So instead of approaching everything from um, pressure, you can come from a place of service and humbleness and gratitude. And, and, and if you do that, then it shifts everything. You can, um, my guru gives a great analogy, which I love. You can walk up to a tree and you can ax down the tree. You can hit it. You can slice it and grab that fruit and eat it. Or you can walk up to a tree in humbleness, be so grateful that it has such a bounty, uh, get a ladder, climb up to it, grab the apple, feel so grateful that you have that apple and eat that apple. And the difference, both ways you get the bounty you get the apple but one you do it in anger and aggression and it steals the sweetness from the apple versus if you just take it and and in humbleness and gratitude eat it you feel this sweetness and um actually put this into the new edition of the book of this whole idea that we can take the bounty however we want but in a different energy it changes everything and because of that um, that one idea actually helped me increase our, um, our sales conversions by 1100%. So, uh, and, and really shifted my whole mindset that I could take it over. So once I overcame that leap of, I never want to do this. I don't want to become exactly like what took my father from this world. Then I was able to utilize things that I think he did assist me with, which was, um, innovation, I love to innovate. I love difficult problems. Those, I they light me up. I don't know why, but I want to like run right towards the difficult things. <laughs> it's a strange habit I have in my life. Great habit. It's an indicator. <laughs> but that, but that came uh, from him. That came from him. So really thinking. So I was just at a trade show, and I had a human billboard on the back of my back. Four. It's four feet tall. This thing is hysterical. Um, <laughs> I, and my father taught that when you go to a trade show, you should grab the attention. That's the first thing you have to get noticed. So he used to teach people to wear um, doctor's outfits or everyone wear Star Trek uniforms. But I've been wearing this four foot 
billboard that has glowing lights. And uh, I actually got shut down at Traffic and Conversion because I was generating more leads than the than the booths, and they were getting jealous. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but that's working on my feet, right? I'm just thinking of how do I innovate what he was teaching in the modern day today? What do we have? So I Googled human billboard, and I found this hilarious awesome. billboard. That, that's, that's tremendous. So, so you grew up much like Dave's kids with a gift and a curse. Right. The gift is that your, your, your dad was super successful and the curse is that your dad is super successful. Right. Because a lot of folks struggle with that duality of trying to live up to the big shoes of, of a Chet Holmes or a Dave Meltzer. What was it either about what your dad instilled in you or a lesson that you learned where you realized, you know what, I'm going to take these lessons and I'm going to be just as big or bigger than my dad? Ooh, OK. So another thing, so my guru is a big part of this. So uh, when I first stepped in, I was so worried about what everybody thought. She actually said, why don't you disconnect from your expectation of what other people's expectations think of you? Because if you're going to only care about what everybody else thinks of you, you're never going to be able to take this over and run with it and make it your own. So she recommended that I shave my head. And I have, I mean, I like it's shorter now, but I had beachy, long, curly hair. And for a woman, right, it's like a, the antithesis of what you do uh, in society. And I was so desperate to figure out an answer to the business. I shaved my head in this just please let me surrender my ego. Let it not get in my way that I be the best version of me to be fully committed to be of service. And that was my commitment. And I, I ended up keeping my head shaved for like four years because I loved the freedom and I loved the feeling of, um, yeah, uh, surrender. So that was, and you, you were way. wishing it was, you were wishing it was still shaved this morning when we woke you up at 5am. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even think about that. For years, I didn't wear makeup or uh, do my hair. So that doesn't matter. I just want to make sure that I'm on with you guys, uh, giving you my best. So. And we're so blessed to have you, Mikey. Good morning. Good morning, Amanda. That story uh, with regard to your guru and the and the fruit of the trees resonates. I'm up here. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm in a, a motorhome and I, I take work <laughs> on the road once in a while. And I, I find it really awesome. important to yeah, disappear into nature to get some of the answers that I need. I'm up here in the Catskills and apple orchards and all of these amazing oh. things. And so it's fantastic. And and you being a musician, one of the things that I, I talk about with people is that, you know, without those pauses in between the sounds, whether it's a, a guitar string or the beat of a drum or something, it's all just noise. It's those moments of silence between the sounds that create the music. Yes. And, and, and so... For work, for you to increase leads by 1176%, double coaching clients two years in a row, you're obviously doing something. You have a guru. What are the other tools or the tricks that you utilize to tap into the magic within yourself and apply that to work? I love that quote, by the way. That's one of my favorite quotes, that there's the space between the notes. My God, it's yours. I love that. Yeah. Um, uh, so I believe... My father taught something called pig-headed discipline and determination. It is the single most important thing you need to succeed in business, right? If we think about leads or sales, 80% of sales are made on the 5th to 12th contact, and yet 90% of salespeople never follow up after just the third contact. So it takes 
pig-headed discipline and determination. Our whole methodology is based around this principle that mastery isn't about doing 4,000 different things. It's about doing 12 things 4,000 times, right? So I, again, did a little bit of just a minor shift that I believe that pig-headed discipline and determination is critical, but it needs to be focused first at you being the best version of yourself. When that is your most important stance, then everything else will flow. So first, I believe it's the relationship you have with yourself. Then after that, it's not about, you know, shiny object syndrome. No wonder we have shiny object sh syndrome. There's 3.8 billion social media channels online today, right? <laughs> we touch our phone an average of 2,016 times a day. How are we not, right? It's because of that that uh, response that we get in our mind every time we touch our phone. So we really have to get focused. We really have to get clear. And that's what our core methodology teaches is we have 12 core competencies on how to double cells. And it really only needs one that if you just, with pig-headed discipline and determination, focus on just that one, that one could be enough to double your cells. Um, whether it's uh, how you're messaging to your clientele, because you can get nine times more from the dollars that you're spending to generate new clients if you just focus on the messaging. Mm. You, can, you can double your sales. Our fastest, least expensive way to double sales is something we call the Dream 100. And that's just about who you're focused on. So these minor little tweaks, if you just continue to refine them and critique them, that's, that's where the success lies. Yeah, it's uh, one of the things I learned from your father, that desire that I must be what I can be to dream small today for a big future. And uh, mm -hmm. those 12 things to bite-sized things, but they have to be consistent and persistent in the pursuit of your potential with that pig-headed determination. The incredible early riser, Amanda Holmes. We will have to have you back again, the CEO of Chet Holmes International, one of my favorite people uh, that I credit a lot for planting seeds under trees that he is not sitting under, but now I get to experience as when I had Sage Dyer, now I get the amazing Amanda Holmes, the world comes in full circle and it inspires me that I could leave a legacy, hopefully much later in my life to my daughters uh, to see you and Thank you for all that you do. We look forward to doing more with you. Just go to chetholmes.com. Let's get her up to 1,276% increase instead of just 1,176. <laughs> Keep up the great work. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for waking up early. Woo! I thank Woo! you so much. Woo! I'm sorry for being late. <laughs> no problem. Next time we're the billboard. I want to see it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'll it. Thank right you. on. Thanks, Amanda. Bye, all right. It's International Podcast Day. And we are here on Office Hours. We're blessed to be here. Incredible guests, even when we have to wake them up early. Uh, and uh, th there's the difference, right? That pig-headed determination. Not everybody would have shown up if they thought it was 5 p.m. And she's on the West Coast for uh, uh, traffic and conversion, like so many people are here in San Diego. And so I'm pretty impressed by Amanda Holmes. No doubt uh, that her father had planted seeds under trees for her as well as Dennis Waitley, one of our other mentors and friends of Chet Holmes said. But it's time. Let's go fishing here on International Podcast Day. CJ Fisher's in the house. He is the partner co-chair of the gaming department uh, at Fox Rothschild. And it's foxrothschild.com forward slash gaming. Uh, 
you know, it's amazing. Good morning, CJ. Good morning. I'm amazed. What's up, CJ? You know, I we're all we're all lawyers of some sort. I'm a recovering one. I think uh, Mike has been sucked back in, and Marino is a, a practicing lawyer. But there's one thing: we're all sports people, all three of us. And some of you know, just one of the most amazing things is if I'm taking myself back when I ran Lee Steinberg, the sports agency, with all the different issues around gaming, and somebody would have told me that the number one sponsor for all major sports teams, the number one sponsor category for all major sports team would have been gambling in 2022. That is something, you know, that is almost as this, right. uh, just incredibly unbelievable. And yet uh, I see commercials every day here in California uh, that, you know, we're going to legalize it for on our phones and, just just ridiculous amounts of endless commercials <laughs> exactly so you know help people understand because you you really have the uh, mastery of this expansive business of how gaming is going to be legalized throughout the united states yeah, so I mean, it's it's obvious that it's it's booming um, in literally every jurisdiction across the U.S. Uh, sports betting is is leading the charge. Um, so I, how I, how big is sports betting? By the way, you, I, they used to make up numbers when it was illegal, but now that we have some legalized numbers, you know how how big do they think sports gambling is right now? Well, it's it, you know the the nationwide. Uh, statistic i don't know if i know that number but just in new jersey for example you know the the handle per month and, and handle is the amount of money people are wagering is over a billion dollars per month now that's not tax revenue that's not the the profit of the operators but it's just a ton of money and that's just one state so it's it's beyond a multi-billion dollar um industry and I think a lot of states see that headline. They see that handle headline that, oh, two billion wagered in a month in New York. We got to go out. We got to legalize sports betting. We have to get that tax revenue because if we don't, the state next to us, they're going to do it. And then our residents are going to drive over state lines and they're going to bet in that state. So I think that's part of what's driving the, the growth of, of sports betting. The other thing is sports betting and, and sports in general, like you said, everyone on this call loves sports and we've grew up with it. We, we watch it every day and a lot of people gamble on it and they've always gambled on it. So, so that's another reason why, from a policy perspective, a lot of states are legalizing it because they know their constituents want it. They know they already do it. And if it's already happening, why not get the tax revenues in your state and why not, you know, implement consumer protections, you know, protect those users in your state. So they're not gambling with, um, you know, some unregulated shop based in uh, Costa Rica or, or somewhere else. CJ, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I'm glad we're talking about this topic and it's always great to see you. You know, I've been thinking a lot about, uh, Esports and, and sports wagering, and, and obviously there's been some hurdles in that space. 
particularly because we've got the athletes or the gamers tend to be younger, the viewers tend to be younger, so that creates a lot of restrictions and, and sort of challenges when it comes right. to legalizing wagering around around that space. Do you have any uh, thoughts on where that space will go, or will it ever mirror what we see with our traditional sports? I I think it it will. It's it's for the reasons you you highlighted. I think it's just going to take time. You know, certain states like New Jersey are trying to be a, a pioneer in the esports space. Um, in general, not just in, in as far as betting. So certainly in New Jersey, I think pretty soon we're going to see um, esports related wagering uh, that you're not going to see anywhere else, at least initially. But I, I think states are more more cautious because you you know you don't have athletes making twenty million dollars a year participating. You have um, uh, minors participating or or individuals that maybe don't don't make that much so it, it, it creates this perceived concern as far as um the integrity of of those events right if if you have these teams competing in, in, a, in a video game is that more susceptible to match fixing and, and those types of issues and i'm not suggesting that it is um but it's a roadblock to, to get that past um, regulators where, and, and, and state legislators where, you know, they might not have that concern with sports betting, but they, they may with esports. And there's a number of things that the, the esports industry is doing to, to help with that. You know, there's certain organizations that specialize in offering integrity services where they monitor the events. Um, like a company like Sport Radar does it with um, uh, with sporting events, and that's available for esports. And there's also an esports integrity uh, association where different stakeholders, regulators, are partnering together to make sure they exchange information. And if there is wagering on esports events, uh, that sort of thing gets uh, gets discovered and and dealt with. So I, I think we'll get there. It's just going to be a, a slower rollout across the U.S. as far as allowing wagering on esports events. CJ, nice to see you. Same so, way. so when we um, when we talk about this, how it, how is technology really fitting into this? Because I look back to the days of sports betting when I was a teenager, and it was mostly the older guys on the corners who knew the guys that would take the book, and and that's how it went. Yeah. But now it's you know, technology has opened up the demographic to, to everyone everywhere. And so when we look at this, we, you talk about going over state lines or not going over state lines. How is technology affecting this so that it's either going to increase or decrease the traction of all of this? Well, you know, on the on the state lines point, the, 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 the linchpin of all of this is geolocation. Yeah. So due to the well, what is that just for our audience? Yeah. So so there's certain companies like a company like X point or, or geo comply where they are able to to track your exact location in a given state through your IP address and other keys on your phone or on your laptop. So if I'm doing a in the middle of placing a wager in New Jersey on my phone, and I drive over the bridge into Pennsylvania, it will know that I drove over the bridge into Pennsylvania and it will, it will 
cut me off. So given the, the state by state regulation and certain federal laws that restrict uh, interstate uh, wagers, particularly on sports due to, the, due to the Wire Act, that's very important. So pretty much in, in every state, they you're required as an operator to have geolocation technology. So the regulator and the operator knows at all times kind of where your uh, customers are and that it's occurring within uh, state lines. So if you're if you're betting on your phone or your laptop, it's a it's a pretty sure bet that somebody knows exactly where you are in the uh, in the state. Uh, CJ, you know, there's all types of compliance nuances that exist. And even within the context of the latency of the of the network uh, issues, as we get more and more prop bets that are based off of polling type of incidents in sports betting, for example, and the trends are moving that way to eventually be able to bet whether, you know, there's going to be a run or a pass uh, when the networks get secure and fast enough. Uh, and right. that's where sports polling and gambling and fantasy is going to get really fun and exciting too, right. really interactive from your couch. Um, what's stopping people today? You know, uh, I was joking with my team that, you know, there's a business called e-pimping and it's basically on the OnlyFans page that these people just send all their shit to one person and they manage their account and they get a percentage of, you know, millions of dollars from these OnlyFans pages. And, you know, is there kind of the e-booking side of things where it seems that somebody in New Jersey could, you know, book bets from their laptop for other people? That's a, it, it's a good point. And, and, and I've, you know, I've talked to um, different individuals or, or companies that are interested in, in, in doing that. And, and, a, and a term is uh, like entity wagering where, it's almost like an investment platform where yeah. you market out there that I'm a fabulous uh, sports better. Um, give all your money to me. I'll wager for you. And then I'll kick the profits back. That's actually illegal in, in most uh, or pretty much all, all states. I would think so. In Nevada, it might've been allowed for a, a, a short period of time. So, so that's kind of the, the dilemma, but it, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you look at, at, at traditional uh, investing of, you know, invest with me and I'll I'll invest your funds in the stock market and then you get the returns on that. I think the challenge with, with gambling is how important um, uh, AML, KYC, know your customer, all of that is in, in, in gambling. Who's wagering? Why are they wagering? Are they, you know, are they trying to launder funds? And when you when you get into entity wagering, that sort of um, business, it, you really can't do that, right? You'll have one entity that's placing the wagers, and the regulator's not going to know who's actually betting. So I think that's the challenge from a regulatory perspective. Very well. Uh, last question, guys. Anyone? Yeah. Dave, do you want to go? I'll give it to Mike because this is my space. So I, I'll let Mike ask well, I have, I, I have to ask the question being... Well, Mike it, used to be a bookie, right? 
<laughs> he still is. That what I say may or may not incriminate myself. Oh, yeah, uh, you're still a member of the bar. <laughs> Mike's, Mike's taking notes for his other. <laughs> <laughs> his yeah. home. It's called the mobile gambling home. That's it. See, I can cross state lines very easily in this. Exactly. <laughs> CJ, what, what, if any, role? I have to ask the question: Are digital currencies and cryptocurrencies playing into all of this? Yeah, so it, it that's growing as as well. I I I think certain states are um, allowing yeah. cryptocurrency, digital currency, to be a, a payment method. I I want to say Wyoming is it is Wyoming a state that specifically has that in its in its regs. Where if I want to deposit in a cryptocurrency with an operator, I can I can do that. Another thing that I, I've seen is is a couple of companies experimenting with um, gambling rate related promotions. You know, um, typically if you wager a lot with a casino or or with an operator, they'll they'll give you certain promotions. You know, they'll give you a a comp at the buffet. You know, I've talked to a couple of companies that are partnering with casinos or they want to partner with casinos where you can get cryptocurrency. So I, I think there's different ways that it's coming into the market. Yeah. Um, but I, I also think it's it's similar to, to esports. I, I think it'll be some time before it's wide widespread. Um, you know, getting operators to want to accept cryptocurrency, right? Do they even yeah. want that as a payment method? Just some of the the things we've seen with that with volatil- volatility. You know that that might be a a, a roadblock at least initially as well yeah yeah i think there's a natural fit eventually with the collaboration with the brick and mortar casinos to you know issue an nft that gives historically right. <laughs> historically your gambling history and providing a lot of statistics and fun in the chain of custody of your gambling and uh, i can see web3 playing an integral role blockchain uh, in you know the legalization uh, of course because it gives more authentication of not only location uh, but of personality uh, and history so those are all good especially you know the greatest fear and money laundering and other things that have always shadowed uh, gambling which is why you know I will end where we started here on international podcast day it just amazes me that the biggest number one sponsor of all major sports is gambling uh, Pete Rose yeah. must be turning in his bed every night going are you effing kidding me and, and, is- <laughs> and on, on that point it's it's really funny also because the sports leagues fought tooth and nail to prevent the expansion of sports betting in America. And now that it's happened, they're profiting um, yeah. extremely well. Based I, I was part of it, man. You know, as you know, back when I ran Lee Steinberg and with Warren Moon and Sports One Marketing, it was a huge issue. And, you know, we were, you know, very close with a lot of the athletes internationally, you know, with the differentiators of what would it be like if they legalized gambling? Could you imagine the amount of money that would yeah. flow? And it has impacted, you know, athletes, you know, in those contracts, but also personal branding endorsements, even college kids in the NIL side of things is blowing my mind. Uh, as long as it's regulated and we keep control uh, you know, we could have a lot of fun with this and it takes people like you to make sure that we have the right systems in place uh, and your firm as well. So CJ Fisher, 
partner, co-chair of the gaming department at Fox Rothschild, leading the way, foxrothschild.com forward slash gaming. If you have any questions, uh, these guys totally understand compliance and execution, both internationally and domestically. CJ, thanks for joining us on International Podcast Day. Yep, David, thanks for having me. And, and Mike and David, good to see you guys uh, as well. Take Thank care, you. CJ. Awesome. All right, boys. Uh, it's good to be back. I had a wonderful trip in the Riviera, French and Italian, and a little stopover in Amsterdam. And not to expose myself, yes, I did go to a coffee shop and had a good time myself. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but I'm under regulatory uh, expansion. So uh, it, it was right. a really good, it was a great trip anyway, my 25th anniversary. So thank you for covering for me, both of you, uh, as I was gone. You know, I don't miss many of the thousands of shows that I do, uh, but this one was well worth it. And it's even more fun to know it was in such good hands. Uh, as you know, it's International Podcast Day, and I was wondering, you know, who wants to go first? Oh, I guess, Mike, you're going first on the takeaway for the day. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. That's the universe speaking, right? Uh, congrats and happy anniversary again. Glad to hear that the trip was so amazing. Uh, for me, David, you know, we talk about technology, you talk about it, and podcasts and, and other methods of technology, being able to amplify the message or the signal and being able to do that. And so here on International Podcast Day, what better of a day to reference that? For me, the takeaway is, you know, listening to, to Kyle and to Amanda and then CJ, it's that persistence, which you always talk about, the consistency, which you always talk about, and that strive for perfection. Amanda showing up, right? 80% of getting it done is showing up. It's, it's the old Bruce Lee quote, right? I don't, I don't fear the man who knows 10,000 kicks. I fear the man who's practiced one kick 10,000 times. And so for me, that's what it is today. I love that. Yeah, I think that's, that is great. And obviously, Amanda had that impact uh, on both of us. And look, for me, um, what resonated most, that, that's a beautiful one because it's something I thought about, um, but it's just showing up. You know, like Kyle told the story how, he showed up with one person and he said, you got me all day. Amanda showed up today, like your restauranteur. You know, I, I, I couldn't even imagine, uh, you know, thinking it's 5 p.m. and someone telling you it's 5 a.m. Uh, Matt had computer problems, our, our producer, but yet he showed up and we, you know, squeezed in, uh, you know, at, at the five o'clock time uh, to start with the video and, and everything. And, uh, you know, the cj as well right like right. people are are showing up and, and it's not just showing up it's how do you show up and uh that's my takeaway is not only show up it's how are you showing up speaking of showing up uh <laughs> right on time prove it our point uh <laughs> it's he gets a, yeah, he gets a fancy haircut he gets a fancy haircut he thinks he can come in and out however he wants yeah. there yeah nice yeah, all right what's your takeaway man, dude great. My takeaway is right in line with you guys. I was thinking about when um, when Amanda was on. She said, I thought it was 5 p.m. and not 5 a.m. She still showed up. She showed up, like, excited and with a smile on her face. It reminded me of this podcast I heard recently with Phil Handy. Phil Handy's a Lakers assistant coach. Uh, much like our boy Chris, he was, like, the Chris of the 90s. Chris like, Johnson. These guys Everybody that doesn't yeah, know Chris Johnson. Yeah. Everybody that doesn't know Chris Johnson's basketball training. He was, like, the – Individual basketball trainer, a lot of flexibility, great entrepreneur. Mike Brown gets the job with the Lakers, and he offers Phil Handy the opportunity to be an assistant coach. Phil says no, but thinks about it and says, well, I get an opportunity to work with Kobe. Right? Kobe's one of the greatest. He's like, 
I wonder if I can impact Kobe in any way and this would be worth it for me. So after about three months of Kobe ignoring Phil, Kobe says, you want to work out with me? Be at the gym at four, right? So Phil Handy gets ready. He's at the gym at 2 p.m. waiting for Kobe to get there. He stays till 8 p.m. at night. Kobe never shows up. Sees Kobe the next morning. Kobe goes, where were you, motherfucker? Kobe met at 4 a.m., right? And Phil Handy got there at 2. Phil Handy in that podcast said, every single time I had an opportunity to work out with Kobe from then, I would wake up at 1 a.m. and be at the gym until he gave me another opportunity. So it's just about, like, being flexible, you know, knowing that people that are great get to things early and just shifting and being available for that. You know, it's a great point, and I was blessed to be – around Kobe right before he passed and he was talking about as the ambassador to World Basketball Association and, and the China uh, ambassador how after he was done playing not only did he win an Academy Award but he was still waking up at 4 a.m. and even beyond that he was empowering his own children one of his daughters wanted to go with him to China and he said absolutely you just have to learn Mandarin if you're going to be my assistant uh, traveling around the world uh, in China <laughs> And, uh, you know, he was no joke. And, you know, I, as someone who wakes up at four o'clock, uh, whether I'm in Italy or uh, here, wherever it may be, it makes a big difference to not only show up, but how you show up in the consistent nature. It's one thing for the people that go the extra mile every once in a while. And they're like, oh, you know, last week I woke up at four o'clock and worked out every day. Yeah, good for you. Excuse my language, as Kobe would say. Good for you, motherfucker. You know, try doing it for 30 years. <laughs> try to do it for 30 years. Then understand what the empty mile is about. And that's what Kobe Bryant, uh, to me, showed me is what the empty mile, regardless of your stature, regardless of what others think, where you're at, you got to do it every single day with pig-headed determination. Uh, and I appreciate you both showing up as well as how you show up. Thank you, Dave Moreno. Thank you, Mike Bamola. Thank Welcome. you for celebrating International Podcast Day. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun today. I'll see you guys hopefully on Clubhouse for training at 7 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, thanks. <laughs> Take care. Right on. All right, everyone. It is International Podcast Day. In case you don't know, I have a podcast, uh, and I'd love for you to join me. Over 1,200 episodes of pig-headed and determination. We have the biggest billionaires, millionaires, and entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, and entertainers. Go ahead, download or watch the playbook. If you rate and review it, it helps me because more people will watch it. So it's called The Playbook, and I've been doing it for five years, uh, and it has over 1,200 episodes of the biggest names uh, giving their playbook to success, kind of the Napoleon Hill of podcasting. And uh, you can email me if you want more information or my book or anything, david at dmelter.com. All of it's free. If it's free, it's we. So email me. David's my first name at my first initial D, my last name Meltzer, like Seltzer with an M.com, David at dmeltzer.com. Most importantly, everybody, be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you at 7 a.m. today. Thank you.